0: This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry.
1: The time for empty talk is over. The ECB is ready to do whatever it takes. Because Brexit means Brexit.
0: Outer Blue by Amundi. Hi everyone and welcome to this uh, web conference dedicated to the French elections. Uh, To discuss this interesting topic, I'm joined by Nicolas Dungan. Uh, Nicolas is the adjunct professor of Sciences Po and also a a senior fellow at uh, at the Atlantic Council. I'm also joined by Vincent Mortier, our group chief investment officer. So, um, gentlemen, yesterday we've had a a clear victory from Emmanuel Macron with 58% of of votes against Marine Le Pen, but we also uh, saw the highest level of, uh, of, let's say, abstention since 1969. Um, so the outcome of these elections uh, are quite important. And I'll, may I start with you first, Vincent? So what are your thoughts about uh, the, re- the election results and what should we expect uh, next?
2: Well, <clears throat> to be very frank, uh, first reaction is a reaction of relief in a way. Not that because I was very worried, but nevertheless, you never know uh, in in such a context. So relief, and I think first and foremost, is good news for France, but also for Europe. At a time where uh, we need more Europe and not less Europe. uh, We have a a very important agenda of um, energy transition coming, uh, of a different strategy, and we need uh, to continue to better integrate uh, Europe, and uh, for sure, Emmanuel Macron uh, was, uh, has always been a very pro-European uh, politician. To the difference of Marine Le Pen, who has always been a very Eurosceptic. Euros- uh, <coughs> so it's a very good news for Europe. And um, I mean, given the way uh, the institutions in France are, are, are made, as you know, the president has a very uh, important power for uh, foreign uh, policy. And um, in, 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 in that context, uh, I think the European agenda, whatever happens next, will uh, will still be uh, on the agenda and will be high on the priority. So that's good. Next step, so we've got the, the parliament elections coming uh, in uh, in uh, about a month now, in, um, in two rounds. So it's a different election. Um, it's not the same logical, it's not the same turnout as well. And um, in the history, the elected president always secures the majority of the parliament. So uh, um, Macron also uh, has shown some uh, signs of openness in a way to, to, to broaden its majority. We'll see who, who we will name as a new prime minister. That will also send a big signal. It will be in the next days. And, uh, and, and therefore, um, I mean, the, the likelihood of having um, for Macron a majority of the Parliament or a coalition enabling majority is pretty high. So it is our, our best scenario. Of course, we can have some uh, adverse uh, scenarios, but nevertheless, given the dynamic at play now uh, after the, this uh, second run, we, are, um, we can be more optimistic. And again, it's a good news. Um, in a context where uh, Europe could have been fragmented um, uh, at the time. Uh, and remember as well that uh, the war is uh, the doorstep of Europe. Uh. Yes, indeed.
0: Um, Nicola Duncan, it will be interesting to, to have your thoughts and share your views uh, on this election outcome.
1: Well, I think, uh, just to pick up on what Vincent was saying, first of all, thank you very much for having me today. I'm delighted to be here. Um, I'm also delighted with the result for the same reasons that Vincent was explaining. I think the two key words now are ecology and Europe. And uh, clearly those would not have been the case if Marine Le Pen had been elected. What we need to realize, as Vincent was saying, is that on the um, 12th and the 19th of June, we have the legislative elections. And the, the nature of the French constitution is that the president appoints the prime minister, but then the prime minister has to get a majority uh, in parliament in a vote of confidence. So there's this presidential parliamentary system that has to work together. Now, some people might find it a little strange that the parliamentary elections follow the presidential election by only two months. Uh, or that they're not on the same day. And the reason is, and I think this is important for investors to understand because it kind of changes the dynamic over the next couple of days and the next couple of months, is that um, originally the president's term was seven years and the parliament was five. And uh, the problem was that you ended up having a president in one party, whether Mitterrand or Chirac, and a prime minister elected from another party. Now, what's happened here, and I think this would be my first sort of fundamental point uh, for people to focus on, is that Emmanuel Macron is in a sense in a trap of his own making. He's a victim of his own success because five years ago, he blew out the old left, the socialists, basically reduced them to virtually nothing, they have seats in parliament, but still. Uh, And then uh, he pretty well blew out the old right. And and uh, in this particular uh, election, in the first round, the old right was also down on its knees and both of them got below 5%. Now the consequence is that in this election that happened yesterday, the second round, there was no legitimist candidate for Macron to run against. Because and the and the non-legitimist candidate is Marine Le Pen, uh, who, as uh, Vincent was saying, is anti-Europe, she's she's nationalist, she's populist, she's a sort of know-nothing, almost almost a Donald Trump, uh look, uh, look alike uh, but with uh, with a French accent, if you will. So so I think one of the things, there's a lot of talk about fractures and how France is divided and so forth. <clears throat> I think it's important not to overestimate that because the fact is that it's because of his own success that he ended up with an opponent, again, who represents the so-called far-right. But her ability to implement those policies would have been limited by the parliamentary election. Now, just to give you an example, uh, there are 577 members of the National Assembly called deputies. And of those 577, currently 336 or 58%, almost 60% are the presidential majority. And and 45% of that uh, 58% is the president's own party. These people are not gonna be that easy to dislodge. Marine Le Pen is a member of parliament. She's not even a member of parliament under her own party name. And her party has six seats out of the 577 or 1%. So I think what's gonna happen is that Macron will, as Vincent was saying, he'll, he'll name a new prime minister, <clears throat> probably somebody younger, probably somebody not very well known, probably somebody, maybe somebody with real ecological, as well as European credentials. The first name that springs to my mind is Pascal Confin, who used to be head of the WWF in France, and has been a European deputy, a member of the European Parliament, somebody like that, to lead, uh, to lead Macron's troops into these legislative elections to try to get a government majority. Uh, and again, I think the watchwords will be Europe and the ecology.
0: Thank you very much, Nicolas. Um, can we come back maybe to, uh, to the step And the various steps and what sometimes we call um, social, third social round in France. So let me turn back to you, Vincent, what do you think is going to happen? Do you you think Emmanuel Macron will be able to implement the reforms he's been he's been mentioning or to some extent even elected for? Uh, What's your view on this?
2: I believe that short term, given the, the score he achieved, the second run, and give us the campaign that will unfold um, uh, through the, for the for the General Assembly, National Assembly uh, election during this period, I don't believe there will be lots of um, issues because uh, people will be in the wait-and-see mode. And uh, his, his score, even though on a turnout which has not been that great, is giving him some. Uh, some uh, legitimacy to um, uh, at least to form a new government and to start to act. The key test will be after the election, when some reforms will start to be discussed. Um, We will probably have some um, contests, I don't say unrest for now, but contests, uh, protests uh, unfolding, that we need to monitor because you, you know in the past, in particular on the retirement system, it is uh, one of the toughest reform to pass in France. And it is very sensitive and uh, Marine Le Pen in particular, or the far uh, left, Joaquin uh, Mélenchon made, pr- pr- made commitments in their programs, which were very populist, saying, uh, and Mélenchon in particular, hein, everybody uh, can retire at 60 which was uh, I mean, very populist when you think about it in terms of metrics. Huh? Um, so we'll, um, uh, it will be, there will be some tests for sure that we need to monitor. So t- reforms will probably take longer because uh, more concertation will be made. And Emmanuel Macron have, uh, have uh, I've learned his lessons from the Yellow Jacket, so probably more consultations, more discussions, more compromises. So it, 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 it takes months, if not years. Um, and we, I mean, our central our, our, our scenario is that he will be able to achieve and to implement some reforms, of course. But the pace and the magnitude will depend on multiple factors um, and keep Keeping also in mind that uh, the the leeway or the levers financially are uh, not that great, uh, so I mean in, it will be difficult on a on a budgetary standpoint to make some um, uh, to make some gifts if I say to uh, to the citizens after the great uh, COVID um, uh, helps which has been handed out, um, it's more difficult I would say to. Uh, to accommodate a uh, lot of new spending, so there will need to be some reforms. And tension will uh, probably mount in the, in the next uh, quarters.
0: And so, uh, Vincent, from where you sit, what are the implications for, uh, for financial markets
2: and French debts in particular? I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but um, the, the results of the election was uh, very well priced in all, all what is happening today. On the markets are not driven uh, by the French election, actually, it's driven by uh, what happened in the US on Friday, the US future markets. Euro has been stable a little bit down. We could have expected Euro to strengthen a little bit. It's not the case. OIT is stable, so overall, for markets, it was priced in, it's not an event. Um, now, um, going forward, depending on the outcome of the June election, And uh, the first steps so the people who will be appointed, Prime Minister in the government, and and, and, and what you will foresee in terms of reforms. um, I mean, we we don't expect uh, French uh, uh, spread compared to Germany to uh, move uh, significantly one way or another. So it should be more or less stable. Uh, There is no reason for big tightening, neither there a big reason for widening. Um, nevertheless, it should be watched because uh, the the possibility of some widening exists. If there are some tensions in the society at large, that will hamper the reform agenda. I see. And
0: Nicolas, let me let me ask you: um, What do you think are the implications for for the French signature? Is any it a good news for the eurozone? Actually, this election outcome.
1: Oh, it's very good news. Not just because Macron has been reelected. But mainly because Marine Le Pen has not been elected, the the problem would have been if Marine Le Pen had been elected, that you'd be talking about somebody who was a troublemaker, who, who doesn't like Europe, who wanted to weaken certain European, uh, uh, certain European uh, coordination, uh, uh, who wanted to have supremacy of national <laughs> law over European law, who wanted to just basically turn the tables over, right? So. So I think the stability that uh, Vincent was talking about is probably likely to continue. And I will and just pick up on a, a point again, which I think is important for investors. There's a there's a tendency to think that, you know, when the French come out and start burning cars or burning trash bins or whatever, that we're in the middle of some sort of new French revolution. Uh, and, and it's true that that. Uh, that in France, people tend to come out in the streets more than they do in other countries. Uh, they come out in the streets peacefully, too, uh, for demonstrations. But, but there is this tendency, and then, there, then there's the, the black belts and so forth, the, the, the sort of violent elements, which makes all the headlines. But that problem with the gilets jaunes, with the yellow vests, for example, was a social problem. It was a social issue, it wasn't a political issue. There was no political leadership to it it wasn't attached to a party uh, it was it was some just it was some very discontented people and Macron finally got around to not a political response but a social response and I think he's very very conscious of the fact that uh, although you know the, the the percentage by which he won is almost 60 40 that's huge in in terms of of elections between two candidates I and mean, if you look at any recent election anywhere else? That that's an absolutely massive margin. People make out that it's a lot less than last time. Well, last time was 66-34, Though it isn't actually that far off. But he's he in his speech last night, and uh, near the Eiffel Tower, he made it very clear that he's heard the message, and and I think I think he's heard the message both domestically and in Europe. So domestically, I think he will bend over backwards to try to make sure that he has a prime minister and the government who who at least are seen as sympathetic to the problems. Now, that may not mean that there will be fewer demonstrations in the streets. It may not mean less violence. And as I said before, when we have violence in France, it tends to look very violent, particularly now on TV. But the institutional structure of France is extremely strong And, and the institute, so there's so what, 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 be, what looks like a political problem is actually going to be a social problem. And the politics is actually, is, is very strong precisely for the reason that I, brought, that I brought up earlier, which is the president has to appoint a prime minister whose government is approved by the National Assembly. So there's this linkage between the legislative and the executive, but, but there's a tremendous amount of power in both. And I think the same thing will be true in Europe. I think that Macron has got the message, which is that he has to listen to the other European countries. He can't do what he did at the Sorbonne or at the Acropolis and make a great theoretical speech about here's what I think should happen to Europe. And so I think he'll be able to get the Germans on board. And I actually uh, turned out that just before this webinar, I, I find that I was quoted today in the New York Times saying that What his leadership will be best if he empowers the other European Union countries through a common vision for the future of Europe. And this is—he's talked about a European security architecture. He's talked about uh, European sovereignty. Those things can happen, and he will be able to bring Germany along if he does it step by step. So, so I would say to answer your question directly: the French signature is. There's no reason to think that it won't remain strong. And there's no reason to think that the debt that has been taken on and some of it that will be taken on is going to destabilize that in any way. I mean, the French Treasury is extremely careful about how they handle uh, the, the French indebtedness, and uh, and even though it's a big number, uh, it's not something which is likely to destabilize markets. I wouldn't have thought.
0: And staying with you, uh, there was uh, obviously uh, a few points regarding how to reform Europe, how to make it. More efficient in, in Emmanuel Macron's manifesto. You mentioned the, the Sorbonne uh, speech. Um, what do you think would be the priorities, as far as uh, Europe is concerned, really to make it, I would say, closer to the people, for instance? And as we've seen in this campaign, less antagonistic views in between those who are against and those who are for Europe, which to a large extent, I don't think really makes sense.
1: I think there are a couple of interesting considerations um, and I'll, I'll sort of throw those out first and then try to tie them together. Uh, one is that with the UK no longer being a member of the European Union, it's actually a lot easier to achieve consensus. Uh, and, and consequently, you know, it's not just if France and Germany agree, but there is more of a commonality of views among the on on, on a very broad number of questions. And there's nobody else, even though Hungary and Poland have their recalcitrant sides, there's nobody else who's even thinking of withdrawing from Europe. Uh, on the contrary, I think there's a, there's a real desire to solidify. Second, the Ukraine war has, has demonstrated two things. One, that, that uh, the European Union member states can achieve a, the same kind of solidarity they did on Brexit. There's really been very little daylight even though their interests the interests between Estonia and Portugal are, are are pretty different but there's been quite a lot of solidarity and the Ukraine war has also shown how it one can extend the political and now even the military side of the European Union and the and the, the very close cooperation with NATO i think it's actually quite a good thing that they're both in Brussels But there's very, very close cooperation now between NATO and the European Union. And and one final point, which I put in, and then I'll try to answer your question, is that Ursula von der Leyen, though German and a former defense minister, is probably the most pro-French. I mean, she's very often seen within the European Union as a very French voice. So in answer to your question, I would make the distinction between the political side, which is the European Council, the heads of state and government, who meet regularly and who tend to be very much in crisis mode when they do meet, and the European Commission. And where the reform is needed is really in the European Commission, in bringing Europe closer to the people. And I think that one of the ways that Macron will probably try to do that is not so much the strategic autonomy of Europe, but, but bringing Europe closer to the people through things that make a difference to them in their daily lives. And one of those will be the ecology and the European Green Deal. And there, I think, even though there are structural reforms required to make, to make Europe more efficient, I think that one of the biggest problems, and I've discussed this actually with Michel Barnier in the past when he was working on Brexit, is to get over the misunderstanding that, that, that Europe is somehow the enemy uh, of, of progress. And, and in fact, there's a great deal In the daily lives of Europeans, whether it's food standards or, or medical standards or the approval of the European vaccines or the European, the European COVID pass for that matter. Uh, and and not to speak of the common currency and an almost common passport. So bringing Europe closer to the people, I think will be a priority, but I don't see it being, you know, something that is going to be hugely upsetting to the way that Europe operates. It's just a question of. Of making it better. Does that answer your question?
0: Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much, Nicole. <laughs> uh, Vincent. Can I can I ask you about you know how we you may, we positioned? So you mentioned that uh, uh, to a large extent the market was already expecting uh, a yeah. success of Emmanuel Macron. So um, I think a fair question would be you know how we positioned today? What our key goals, for instance, and uh, so app, We instance,
2: we, we, we come back to square one in a way, meaning uh, I mean, the election happened. Um, It was coherent with, uh, I mean, it was uh, the um, the positive outcome uh, for the market um, that was expected. So now we come back to our real uh, day to day life, so meaning all the challenges ahead for France. But I mean, France is a connected country. I mean, uh, I remember that uh, more than 80% of the turnover of the French uh, CAC 40 companies are made. Out of France, so I mean, uh, um, so France is indeed uh, very correlated to what's happening in the U.S., elsewhere in Europe, in China. So what matters now is uh, what next in terms of GDP growth, uh, the war, of course, um, inflation, uh, central banks (ECB uh, and the Fed) uh, action, COVID in China. I mean, all these topics were here before and are still here today. I mean, uh, it's not a yesterday night result uh, which has changed anything. So, um, uh, so I mean, in a nutshell, huh, I mean, uh, our, our, our key conviction is uh, is that um, growth will continue to de- decelerate, um, in particular in Europe, in particular in Germany and uh, Italy, that inflation uh, will continue to, uh, to have legs, uh, a little bit less because of base effects, but nevertheless, uh, we will uh, probably be, in particular in, in Europe, above the two percent target of uh, central banks. So in this context, uh, and Fed will continue to act uh, in the short term, and that's why, by the way, uh, U.S. stock markets are becoming under under pressure. Huh? So uh, we are still cautious on rates. Meaning we expect rates to continue to drift higher. We are still. Uh, um, uh, pretty uh, constructive on the US dollar compared to the euro. And we are very selective on stocks um, because some parts of the stock markets are too expensive in this context. So overall, uh, as you have understood, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, we are more on the cautious and on the bull uh, uh, allocation uh, given where we are in terms of prices. So, uh, rates, credit, uh, equities. So, should uh, markets correct naturally, we will be able to come back. Uh, But we are not yet there. We believe there are still some repricings to be made, and uh, given this context, actually. Okay, so more of a
0: cautious position, waiting for better entry points in order to redeploy um, capital. Uh, We have a question actually coming online. It's more for you, I think, uh, Nicolas and it's uh, will france position in europe will evolve. i think you answered to this to some extent but maybe you may have other thoughts than what you already uh, discussed with us
1: well my colleague at the atlantic council jeremy galon published a, an op-ed a comment piece in the financial times the other day uh saying that france needed to be more humble uh in its uh in its approach to european affairs and i think france's position is likely to evolve um I think there are two different things. I think one 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 is France's political and uh, and uh, governmental position. I think that's likely to evolve to more of a um, consensus model and I hope that Macron will focus because it really is his choice as president because it's foreign affairs in the sense that it's not it, it's not something that is covered by uh, by it, it's not part of French territory as such. Um I, I hope that he'll try to focus on just two or three major points. One of those will probably be European sovereignty. Uh, and another one, I think, will probably be uh, the environment and the ecology, uh, to the extent he can do that. And I, I don't see any sort of major sources of differences that, with Germany or Italy. Uh, I think that, you know, we, we, the this, this emergency financing package of 750 billion euros uh, is actually going to benefit everybody. I, w- I want to go back to, as a second uh, part of the answer to that question, something that Vincent was saying um, about the French private sector. Because um, one of the things that I think is important to realize is that, uh, as he said, you know more than 80% of, of turnover and profits, of sales and profits, from France's multinational companies comes from outside France, and a a fair degree of that comes from outside Europe. But I think there's something from an ESG standpoint that's very important for investors to understand, and that is that uh, a number of French companies, and particularly a number of the major French companies, and I'll name some names, but I don't own any of these names because I own ETFs, but I don't own these names in particular. But if you look, for example, at Veolia, they are very, very far ahead in uh, their, uh, what, what at Cogito Practice, my company, we call corporate citizenship. And we think that that corporate social responsibility, and ESG, and purpose are evolving into a much bigger, more holistic concept, which includes all the actions of a company to all of its stakeholders, not just its shareholders, but certainly including shareholders. And we're calling that corporate citizenship. And and if you look at uh, so most of the CAC 40 companies have somebody on their executive committee who's responsible for ESG or corporate citizenship or 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 corporate social responsibility. And I think that the I think that the encouragement of Macron's re-election, the relief that people feel to go back to what you both were saying earlier, but also the fact that there's this very strong conviction on the part of the chairpersons and the CEOs uh, of, of, of French companies, that we really need to be conscious of climate, that we need to be conscious of the effects of our companies on all these stakeholders. I actually think that that more from the private sector than from the public sector, that you're going to find French companies leading within Europe, including within Europe, on the whole question of ESG, or as I suggested, we're calling it corporate citizenship. So so that is a combined answer of what, do, what will we see from the government, what will we see from, from the, a, new, the, a new Macron uh, administration, as well as what we see from the private sector. And one last point, I think, is I think Macron himself will be less impatient because he's got five full years ahead of him, and, and he won't need to try to go quite so fast. And, and and essentially get ahead of some of the other European leaders. He has a stature and a seniority within Europe now, which means he can relax a little bit. Now I know that's hard for him to do, but but the combination of of the of a very committed private sector towards ESG and corporate citizenship, and a very committed public sector towards ecology in Europe, I think, will make for for France as a sort of bellwether, a sort of harbinger of good behavior, and I certainly hope so.
0: Okay, well, thank you very much, gentlemen, Nicolas Dungan and Vincent Mortier for your analysis, your thoughts. And uh, thank you very much for all of you who have been listening to this uh, web conference. And we hope to see you uh, for the second round, uh, actually, of, uh, of the, um, the Parliament election in June. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets in financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Mundi.